again a new episode of our Lunch and Learn. Uh, this is a Lunch and Learn we generally do every single month. We have been a bit silent over the summer, but logically, uh, here in Spain, we like to be on the beach and doing some other stuff than being in front of the camera. Uh, for this week, we have a special guest, Gemma Casadevel. Uh, I know Gemma for quite a long time. I think she was one of the first persons we met when we moved to Spain. And she was so helpful, so amazing to guide us through the maze of what is business life in Spain. Um, we invited her today because I think she has a, an amazing story to tell, and especially looking at how she climbed up as executive. So today's topic is going to be climbing the corporate ladder without falling off. Gemma, can you introduce yourself? Thanks, Rahim. Um, a pleasure being here. First of all, thanking you both for, for inviting me. It's always good to be able to share uh, life experiences and learnings. Indeed, as you said, sometimes when you come, especially if you come to work to Spain and you want to settle, for some reason, Spain is different for the good and for the bad. <laughs> so glad we can help. And it's also nice to try to understand how that affects your daily business work because myself having worked also in different countries it's amazing how that can influence your leadership career as well you can do this you cannot do that you cannot ask these questions you cannot force people to do this because there is a union or you are absolutely free to do whatever you want so you have to adapt to those things and that's not easy at all no it is it is it is and if you look at the past uh, three to four years uh, uh... We, we both have been in executive roles in the past, uh, led large teams, did crazy things. But when I moved to Spain, the dynamic changed uh, from, from being a leader globally and empowering people to having a big boss who makes all the decisions top down. Now, that's not in every company, of course. I'm just generalizing. But uh, what I found out when I came to Spain was that when I was speaking to companies um, to find a job or a project, Generally, it was the boss, the owner, who made the decisions. And if the owner didn't like the decision, it just didn't, didn't happen. Right? So it was really a top-down structure. Um, I'm hoping that it's changing. I'm seeing that in my engagements in Spain. It's changing. Uh, people are starting to adapt more to leadership, empowerment. Uh, but that was a bit, a bit of a difficulty for me coming from a global company, all, a lot of global companies, and getting into the Spanish startup world. It was a, a, quite a different dynamic. But enough about me, because I'm actually more interested in Gemma's story. <laughs> so if you look at your story, and then let's maybe start in a bit of background in who you are, what you do, uh, what your company does, but also a bit of a history. Let's start with that first. Um, well, my name is Gemma, as you know, and I'm, I'm a pharmacist by training. I have a PhD in pharmaceutical sciences. I graduated in Barcelona, Spain. And by heart and by DNA, I am a scientist. I'm a formulator. Um, I started my career at uh, the second biggest pharmaceutical Spanish company when I finished my, my master's degree, uh, Ferrer. And after being there a few years, I decided I wanted to learn more and especially get to the what I considered the, the best of the best of drug delivery at the time, which was a startup that was based in, in California, in Silicon Valley, that uh, they were the best doing especially that, delivering drugs at the right side of the body at the right time. 
when it was needed. So I went there, brought my CV, paid my plane ticket and told those guys, hey, I want to work here. And luckily they hired me and I started working for them. Uh, I stayed with them for three years. And then afterwards that company, which was a startup and then end up at around 4,000 people was acquired by J&J. And I also then stayed as an J&J member for three more years. So I, by being at the same company, I went from startup to big pharma, which is also a, a nice experience. Uh, after that, and after understanding that I was a very happy scientist, but I needed to grow and, and grow with a team and understanding how as a scientist, you need to make a team grow. I came back to Spain. And then I focused my career on different experiences. First with um, Esteve, which is uh, also one of the biggest pharmaceutical Spanish companies. And then later on Salvat and Medichem. And in, in those roles, I was uh, R&D leader from manager to director, from local to in my latest role, um, global, uh, leading five R&D teams, two in Spain, two in Malta, and one in China. Uh, and and that, that's been fun, especially coming from the scientific scientific perspective and understanding that it's not easy, that you miss, you do miss the lab, but uh, if you want to have uh, a growing team, you have to step aside in the lab and start doing business pretty much. So you have to go to business school, you have to understand what the role uh What's most important in the role as a leader, besides having a background as a scientist? And then nowadays, I lead as a CEO, a company based on, on food supplements, on nutraceuticals. And uh, the basic core business is doing development for third parties. We don't have um, our own brand. And then sometimes if the manufacturing is really complicated, we also have a production plan now and we also manufacture ourselves for our clients. So here am I, <laughs> being the, the, the CEO that comes from R&D. <laughs> uh, what, what I really find interesting in, in our era of conversations is that uh, Gemma said one time to me, I'm actually a nerd. I like, <laughs> I like being the scientist, but now I'm a CEO of a company. I have to change. I have to change the dynamics. If you take that, Gemma, Along the way, if you look at your, your, your current company, you're, you're doing really well. The company is doing really well. Uh, like we talked this week, it's an amazing uh, push you're giving forward in the market. The company's growing, potentially double digits. But along the way, you're working with scientists. What is the, the most important thing you learned? Uh, I think that... If, if you're working with scientists and learning from my own life and my mistakes, uh, you have to help them understand at least two things that are never told at any scientific career, which is at the very end, what's important is the client and what the client wants, because you can reinvent the wheel or, or find something that scientifically wise is extremely interesting, or you can have a patent. But if it has no place in the market, if it's not the right time, because sometimes 
scientists have ideas that are not in the right place at the right time. Uh, if the market doesn't want it, it's not worth it. Keep your effort for another project because you will need it. And maybe you can have that in a drawer and, and putting it out in another time. Uh, so be aware of that. And then the basics, the very basics of business school, you also have to tell your, teach your team. Um, earnings, um, margins, uh, scientists are not prepared to do that. We're not, we're not computed, we're not programmed to, to understand that. So it's something that you have to remind your team constantly. Okay, but the client doesn't want this. Okay, but remember that. Everything else comes along because developing, which is the most difficult thing, uh, they are doing that. They love it. They love it already. I hear already a, a, a core basic challenge what I see with basically in any business. It's not only in science, but it's also in tech and all other businesses is that you can have the best best know-how in how to make something, how to make something extraordinary. But if your client is not ready for it, and I'm not saying it isn't a good idea, but a client can at that moment in time not be not ready for it, there's no point. You can't run a business on, on, on air, on good ideas. Exactly. Yeah. It's extremely important. So when you look back, um, uh, when you look back, is there something you wish that someone would have told you um, what they didn't do before? What would was something that made it, your life would have made your life a lot easier? I'd say that um, coming from a scientific perspective, it helps uh, uh, a lot. You're not going to change your DNA. So uh, it helps a lot to adapt yourself to what the ladder that you're looking at needs. And pretty much your boss, your boss's boss, and your boss's boss's boss need to make decisions. So you need to help them make decisions. And if you're a scientist, you can help a lot by taking away uncertainty. And a very easy way to take away uncertainty is with data. And there's nothing much better that we scientists can do that bring data. So um, I used to have, depending on which moment in the company we are and, and which, which part of the month we are, I also have a, always a quote that helps the team. This month is life, life is simple, but we insist on making it complicated. So keep, keep it simple. <laughs> but I used to have one that would say, in God we trust, all others bring data. It is what it is. If you need to help a boss make a decision on an investment, a big investment, a decision on a team, uh, let's support it with something that really can help, which is, look, the numbers are here. It shows that it will work, or we might be taking a risk, but the amount of risk is such percentage. That can help a lot. Um, and also the other very basics that I've learned as I've grown up, but it seems easy but no one tells you if if you don't know how to proceed use common sense please it's as basic as as it is common sense because again it's it's easy it should be easy yeah. but if you talk about common sense you just were talking about scientists are not made to run a business Correct. how do you get them how do you get them so far to actually understand the business side of things 
because it's not just uh, I love the quote. The quote helps to bring the fun into the game. It helps with change and and the dynamic of thinking in in something new. But there's there is a secret behind it to get them really to understand where your company is going, what the company needs. I think there is a lot of good communication, also teamwork. Um, and these scientists understand very well, if, if you have someone very much specialized in a field, they can be very good on that specific team, but they have no idea on how to run the next department's business. Okay. So I remember, especially this, this was something that I learned in the States, where we, in the lunch break room, we would sit and put together a formulator, an engineer, a statistics. And, and I remember once having lunch and someone telling me, if your formulation would work, uh, I wouldn't have these problems with this machine and we, we could have a product. And I said, well, my formulation works. It's the machine that cannot go uh, down this many much um, inches so I can work. And the engineer said, if it's that easy, I can really modify that. So when we sat together, two completely scientific disciplines, we realized that we could make things done that we thought they were not possible. So first of all, the word impossible disappears of our dictionary. And secondly, teamwork, 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 communication. Breaking down and the silos. Then, exactly. And then there is the third part, which is something that my team knows very well. My two favorite words that are ownership and accountability. Then you're given an assignment and that's your assignment. You have to feel it that it's yours. It's your baby and you're accountable for it for the good and for the bad. And that helps a lot because if everyone has the small piece of the puzzle, but handles it with ownership and accountability, that really works. But that's all about empowerment and not exactly. everyone is ready to take that empowerment. And in Spain, the biggest challenge is empowering middle management. I, want, I, know, I never see it with the directors. They are senior people, they know how to run, they make decisions, they sign paperwork. I have something called leadership team. They are all middle managers and I teach them how to be brave, how to break the rules. If the CEO comes and tells you that you can break the rules, then it's easy, right? Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's not more fun and easy way to empower them than tell them, go ahead, try it. No worry. If it's good, it's your merit. If it's a problem, it's my fault. But try. And then like after it. two or three times trying, they they are not afraid to do so. And if we do 10 tries, maybe one fails, but it's just one. And it's an easy way so that the company moves forward really, really quick. And I think that's part of the secret of the growth we're having. We're going to double digits this year which we would never imagine. And it's because we're trying things that otherwise too much respect. Well, we have never tried this. Maybe we cannot do it. Why not? Try it. Fail fast, fail cheap. Yeah. 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 I like to fail cheap, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I always use fail fast, learn harder, but fail fast, fail cheap. Fail fast, <laughs> fail cheap. <laughs> <laughs> so... We talked a little bit about team and organization and empowerment. If you now look at one of the most memorable moments you had um, that resulted into 
something you didn't expect. You were just mentioning, okay, double digit growth, you didn't expect. But what is the most memorable moment working with your team? I think that uh, especially in the company I'm now at, um, we actually, when we decided that we were going to do, we, we were a, a development company. We didn't have our own facility. And we realized that if we were going to give our formulations outside to different manufacturing CMOs or CDMOs, first of all, we were giving away our knowledge. And secondly, it was really hard to have non-trained uh, people with that specific know-how to move forward. So we decided to be brave and buy a manufacturing company that actually was broke. So I still remember the feeling of, are we going to be able to pay the salaries every month? Uh, we started with a team of eight, now we're almost, we're 53 and we keep growing double digits. And I think that was a, a key turn moment that it, since it was more, not, not more than three years ago, the people that are growing with us, they still remember that. So we truly celebrate uh, small wins because for us, they are huge. Nice, nice, nice. I'm going to challenge George to chime in. <laughs> George, you know how it works. Eh? I generally challenge you guys to chime in. Is there anything you want to ask, Gemma? What's top of mind if you listen to her story? Yeah, I've got uh, many questions, but uh, I, I would prefer to uh, Gemma to, to complete and then we can uh, discuss that uh, later on. Okay. Give it a thought. So, guys, I'm going to challenge you. This is just to, so you know you, you're going to be challenged at the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, if we then go towards more, um, what is the advice you can give aspiring leaders uh, who want to excel in their careers and potentially be an executive or maybe another role? But what will be the core advice, the core takeaways you would like to share with our audience? I would say that the biggest first advice, because in Spain, the culture in Spain, not so much in other countries I've seen or lived, but especially in Spain, you are supposed to climb up the ladder, otherwise there is no success. This is a topic that may not be true. You may be very happy and very successful at a specific level of the company and be very good at it and be happy rather than keep climbing up. You know, Peter's principles exist, but the most important thing that everyone should ask herself or himself is, am I gonna like it to climb up? Because first of all, especially the ones that, that come from a scientific or a technical role, no one teaches you about driving people. They can learn, show you how to uh, fix a machine, make a formulation, do a chemical reaction, but then you have to lead different teams of people. And sometimes that's not fun. Sometimes it's very fun. If you can make it fun, go ahead. But there are no fun moments. And you have to ask yourself, if that is going to make your life miserable, just don't do it. It's not worth it. You might not like dealing with people. And if you're a scientific rat and you want to be in the lab, it's okay. I've had in my teams extremely powerful scientists that work on their own and they are brilliant and there is no need to climb upper, especially if you can also have a, a good position, a good salary, a good reputation. You don't need to be at the top if you're not going to like it. 
So you have to feel it. You have to feel also that you are going to be able to bring in something. I like this one uh, a lot. I, I really like this one. Uh, um, I, I want to add something to this one. When we moved to Spain, we were climbing up the ladder in our careers. Um, and if you look at the difference from, from uh, starting a more operational team lead role up to uh, going to more executive level, those dynamics are different. They're really different. The role you think you're going to have when you go upwards, is that actually what your ambition is? Uh, I had a really large team, different markets. I worked 24 seven, basically, I had people in Singapore and on the other end uh, of the line, uh, they were in, uh, in, uh, in New Jersey. So that's, that's basically, it's a, it's a 24 hour day. When I was young, it was success meant you buy a house, mm. you have kids, you have a, a, a company car and you're a manager of something. Correct. That was success. I think that if you look nowadays, and I found out when I was 45, I'm not managing a company anymore, a small company. I'm doing things which are fun. I'm getting paid for it. So I'm actually in a better place than I was years ago because I had to make, I was there, I dared to make that choice. And that choice was not related to the money I would get, but to the life I want, want to get out of it. So I love what you're saying here. I really love what you're saying here uh, from the heart. Lead from the heart. I think that's the bottom, the bottom line. Yeah, that one is amazing. Anything else? Another takeaway you want to share? I think that the other one is if you want to do it well, there are two things that you always uh, have to keep in mind. Your goal should be to surround yourself with, with people in your team that knows more than you. And this is extremely grateful because then you keep learning and learning and learning and understanding. I remember a few weeks ago, um, I hired a guy a guy in logistics and, and he gave me a fantastic class on how to prepare um, the, the pallets in the warehouse, how, how much could I pile things. And those were things I, I never knew and they are very, very useful. So keep hiring people and surrounding yourself with very, very good professionals. And, and this will help you a lot. And if there are aspects that your team cannot bring to you, keep going to school. I'm now doing a master's in phytotherapy because most of the ingredients that our products have have plant ingredients that I didn't know about. So uh, besides being a professor, I'm also taking classes <laughs> because for some specific things, I still don't know enough. And then you have to go through business school a little bit. It's a must. Like it or not, you, yeah. have, to, you have to learn how to drive. Especially if you if you if you're the lighthouse, you have to know how to drive. Yeah, like it, like it, like it, like it. Let's uh, start opening up the floor for questions. George, you want to start, or should I go to Sylvia? <laughs> I can start. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Jama. A really interesting uh, way to uh, go to uh, top leadership. Uh, for a company. I can understand that your expertise has also helped you a lot in terms of understanding the numbers, understanding the processes, the operations, the strategy. Uh, what I want to understand much more is how you have 
pivoted from an individual contributor to a, a manager and from a manager to a leader? Uh, first of all, I had the luck that this, my, my first team, the first team I led, I was extremely young and that happened um, in Spain. And that, having that in Spain, having been that in Spain was a, a big challenge because I had to be in charge of five men, manufacturing operators, all much older than myself. So the first way to approach that was with being very humble, telling them, look, I just stepped out of school and I know nothing. I need you to help me and I will try to put some theory behind it and then we'll start working. So that was the first step. And then when it came more to um, vision and leadership in innovation, I had the luck to be in the States. And then um, in that specific environment, and I think the different environments help a lot, um, I had the luck to be in, in a position where Again, we were playing the no rules rules game. Let's, you want to try this, go ahead and try it. Uh, how much am I, is it going to cost in the lab? It's a 200 euros, go ahead. Uh, no mistakes can happen. You are not going to ruin the company. Try it and then encourage people to do it. So you can start either doing that with, with exchange students and co-students that you have in your team or senior scientists and you realize that if you keep giving them opportunities no matter what their profile is they want to shine and your job is just helping them shine no matter what and they keep it, it's it it fits itself because they are happier therefore they bring more, more ideas and the ideas are more crazy but they are not scared about it so it it helps uh, everyone grow, starting from yourself as a leader. Interesting. Uh, can I have uh, just uh, another question? Uh, just yes. uh, further to what you have said, is if you were up for a promotion, have you been uh, putting yourself forward for that uh, role or were you waiting for the invitation to be promoted? Um. In my specific case, what happened was that I was either approached by a headhunter to step up. I see. I, and in those cases, uh, I have always been extremely transparent and told them, look, I'm at this level. You're offering me a position at this specific level. I don't know if I'll be able to do it. I'll put my best on it. And being extremely uh, open and transparent with what was supposed to be my, my future boss, I always have had the, the lack of having the encouragement of someone that would tell me, don't worry, you'll do it, you'll shine, go ahead and do it. And, and then being brave, being brave and never giving up. I think this is something that as a leader is, is a quote that you have to have always with you. Don't give up. If you want to get to something, you will find a way. It might not be an easy way. It might not be the first time, but don't give up if, if the project is worth it or if your objective is getting somewhere. Nice. I may want to add something to this one too, because I think it's a, it's a really important question. Um, 
I recently had a conversation with some of the team members within the organization I'm currently supporting. And the, 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 one of the team members said, look, I would really like to be promoted and get a, a job higher up, but I don't see the opportunity. A lot of people think that, but I think the opportunity is something you create. When you're brave, when you're not afraid, when you're not afraid to break processes, and when he knows that we talk a lot, uh, because she's my uh, go-to person at the end of the day where I throw everything on her lap after a day's of work. <laughs> That's what your partners do. But when you're brave and you're prepared to take the extra step, uh, for me, a process is a guideline on to understand how things were intended to work. But it's not leading in how to achieve the target, the goal. And I've seen a lot of people in my career and also in my teams, they got promoted where, where no one believed in them. But when I had them in my team, I said, that guy is horrible. Or that lady, oh man, she always comes up with awkward things. But if you really start listening to those people, they had passion. They were not afraid to step up. They were not afraid to speak. And when they got promoted, that whole dynamic changed within the organization. You have people who follow and have an ambition to become a leader. They get asked, and often they get asked because their leader is searching for a copy of themselves. And then you have people who step up, who are brave, who are bold, who dare to go for a change, who dare to sometimes step over a process to achieve the goal. Those people are often much more dynamic, and those people become leaders automatically if they are supported by the right leader. So I think there, there are two levels in this one. Uh, for me, it means, uh, like Gemma all said, be bold, be brave. There are multiple ways to roam. The, 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 the one chosen by your manager is not always the right way. But do what you do, need to do to make it happen, because you're different than me. I would approach it differently. doesn't matter. If you hit your goal, if you're creative, you will make it. And that's shining. Okay. It's okay to challenge your manager. Actually, most of the leaders, uh, we appreciate being challenged by people on our team. It helps us think, it, help us, it helps us seeing things differently. And again, break the rules, especially in Spain. I'm, I'm extremely uh, supportive of, for example, which is something that people here get not upset, but surprised upon is if we have a certain level position, well, that guy cannot do it because he doesn't have a PhD or a master's. So what? Have you seen the way he or she works? The talent, the, the attitude? That's the PhD I'm looking for. <laughs> and how about MBAs? Do you think, uh, are they necessary? I think you need a basics on business school to understand the minimum of you need in a, in a company. You need to understand uh, PNL and the balance of the company, but you don't need a full MBA. It's yeah. not a must. It's not a must. I agree. I agree. Good questions, George, as always. Michael, do you have questions for Gemma? No, um, it was interesting to, to hear what you say. Uh, it, uh, 
it aligns a lot with my own uh, experience. Um, I mean, I have to say, I've, I've been at CEO level in, in two companies, um, then decided to step back for a startup. So climbing up the ladder again, and it's uh, obviously a little bit uh, tighter in, in a small company compared to a bigger one. But I can only agree to everything you said. What, what I did find in Spain, though, and I think this is really also important, is I've seen a lot of managers with a very outdated management style. So this like not sharing information, like I know more than you, so that means I'm, I'm more relevant. I've seen managers being afraid of being overtaken by capable people in their organization and keeping them down, which is a pain because at some point these very capable people leave the company. Uh, and I can tell you, when, when I was in, in uh, Airbus, for example, during 10 years, I had a lot of discussions with my, my management uh, team, uh, and they did not see me at a higher level. And then I got the offer to become a general manager for another uh, big German company, but uh, in Spain. Uh, so from this middle management function in a huge company where a lot of things had been taken care of to being general manager of a, I mean, it was a small company back then, like 70 people. But all of a sudden, as you said, you need to understand everything. I mean, everything depends on you. You take all the decisions all of a sudden. And that was a big step. Yeah? So it was the first year was, was difficult, also with some fighting of other people who had the ambition, et cetera, et cetera. But um, that's when you learn most, I guess. Yeah? So the, the ambition was there. Um, seems I did well because <laughs> the track continued. But uh, it was also a, a lucky opportunity, I have to say. So if I, if I had stayed in Airbus back then, I would have not made my way, no, or at least not in the same manner. And uh, I think that is also an important lesson. I mean, sometime you need to really decide with your ambition, with what you think you can do, are you in the right place? Or do you have to really step out of your bubble of comfort and say, hey, let's look out on the market. I mean, there's some great opportunities these days no? with all the digital transformation and and so many new companies coming up. I think sometimes it's really important get out of your comfort, be clear of what you want and what what you what you think you can you can achieve, and then then go for it. You know? And then the people kind of start seeing you from scratch, see the energy that you set, see it's like this person is willing to engage, is thinking ahead, is doing a lot more than just staying in his box. And uh, I think that is really essential. Um, I, I always preferred people who have a lot of energy and ambition to to do things compared to people who think they know it all and are mega experts and are settled and settled. You know? so, so yeah. Take away for me from this one is every day is a day to reinvent yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. There are no boxes. There are only opportunities. <laughs> Fully agree. Fully agree on that one. Nice, nice, nice. Hey, we're uh, running to the end of this uh, episode of the session. Um, just a, a bit of a householding for people who want to listen later. We have a next episode, which will be held on October 20th, Wendy. That's correct. And we have invited uh, Merce Tell and Jordi uh, from uh, uh, the Hotels Network to talk about seed investments. Many of us senior leaders, when you get a bit older or maybe even you're young, you start thinking, what do I want to do else? I want to diversify. These two have done that a few years ago, years ago, and they started uh, working, basically investing in really great ideas. They lost money, they gained money, but I think it's a really important topic and really interesting topic for you guys uh, to learn from 
um, people who have done it before and their pitfalls. And there are quite a lot of them, quite a lot of challenge when you start doing seed investment or actually full investment in the, into your organizations. So that's on the 20th of October uh, next month. Um, for also the people who are listening, uh, some of you guys are already part of our DNA community. We are kickstarting our re-kickstarting our DNA community again. Um, and in the next month, you will see more live uh, sessions in Barcelona. So if you are in Barcelona, join our community because you'll get an invitation personally to join us for sessions. These are closed sessions, small groups, eight to 10 people, where we have these kinds of conversations together and we share our experiences. I think those are the most valuable sessions you can have because you get people challenging each other. Uh, we don't have to agree, but we are sharing. And that, that's, a, that's a unique unique uh, moment to be together with other executives, senior leaders, uh, but also general leaders within the organizations. So keep that one in mind. Uh, you can join uh, when you will put in the video later, there will be some links somewhere down there. Uh, she's good at that. <laughs> Um, some final words, Gemma, as we are closing the call. No, thank you for the opportunity, encouraging the DNA community to keep growing and to keep helping ourselves and try to change a little bit the Spanish culture of of old uh, senior management that I guess doesn't help, at least innovation. <laughs> so it's not Spanish, here, here are. I know, but in Spain is is deep. <laughs> I am uh, originally Greek, so yeah. I know how the Mediterranean uh, business uh, works. Latin Mediterranean, old-fashioned <laughs> spirit. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Gemma, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it, and it was so thank valuable. You. I also learned a lot of new things. George, thank you for your questions. Thank you for being here again. It's amazing because these questions are really the questions we need to ask. And Michael, super thank you for sharing your story. Uh, I think it's really important that in these Lunch and Learns, we really share the stories because these are going to help us be better tomorrow than we are today. Thank you all for being in the call, listening, viewing, etc. And we'll see you next month again. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much.